Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm going to be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate all right so you're listening to this podcast right now london is blue and guess what we host our podcast on anchor.fm that's right if you're looking to host your own podcast this is the easiest free way to get started. This got a content creation tool allows you to record and the podcast right from a phone. That's right. Don't even need a computer, but you can do it there too. They'll also help you distribute it, which is probably the most challenging part. You don't want to have to mess with that. They got you covered. You can get it right on a Spotify and Apple podcast as well as any other place podcasts are found. And you know what? You can monetize it too. Make a little cash for sharing your great content with the world. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one individual place. So you know what? Head over to your app store, download the Anchor app, or head to anchor.fm to get started if you're ready to launch your podcast and make it happen. Hi, I'm Paulo Ferreira, and you are listening to The London This Blue. Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to the London is Blue podcast, a podcast made for the fans, by the fans, celebrating the only team that matters. Come on, you blues. Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to another episode of the London is Blue podcast presented by World Soccer Shop. Head on over to worldsoccershop.com for amazing deals as this season wraps up. Personally, I'm looking at the Chelsea swim shorts for only 13 bucks. But it's not all about me because I've got Dan and Nick who are here joining me. And I know neither of them will be getting me anything like that for our trip to London. Will you, Nick? You know, not swimming stuff. I think maybe a raincoat, perhaps, or I mean, maybe a hat. Something Antonio Conte might deem appropriate on the sideline. I mean, you might have needed the swim trunks if we had been away to Bournemouth with uh, the wonderful way support yesterday. But uh, I don't think you're going to need them for a trip unless you're thinking about a hotel pool. Well, we'll have to see. Maybe I'll reassess what I'm looking at on World Soccer Shop as we get ready. But, you know, (laughs) thankfully... Most of you, or I guess hopefully most of you saw on Twitter and Facebook that we have a very special guest joining us today, Clayton Bierman, who has been a friend of the pod literally since the first season. Welcome back, Clayton. It's been far too long. 
It has indeed. Thank you very much for inviting me. I'm really glad to be back. I, I, I'm sort of looking at those shorts because uh, London's actually been gloriously uh, sunny today and I could have done with those uh, as I had the first barbecue of the season. There we go. Now that's something that we can get excited for. Um, but before we jump into the match review, uh, we did have someone that wanted a shout out on this week's podcast, specifically from the powder keg himself. Nick, we have another iTunes review. That's right. Another five star, which is beautiful from L Gabe L, uh, in the U S store. I just want to read this one. It's really short, but I, I loved it. You sound just like my friends and I sitting around dissecting our Chelsea well, maybe with a little more structure. And that is the entire point of the show. So thank you, L. Gay Bell. All right. Here we go. Quick preview of our London trip and then right into the Bournemouth preview. Here we go. Dan, there's only one week left to sign up for our XL Tours trip. Uh, April 14th is the final kind of uh, day to sign up. Do you have any tips or tricks for our friends who, who are thinking about going who just haven't pulled the trigger? Well, it's actually less than a week because by the time they're going to listen to this is Monday and then it's going to be Friday. So you got yourself about five full days to kind of make a determination. If you're doing the math like I am, it's possible this could be the day, the match against Middlesbrough, where Chelsea could be the champions. Um, so if you've been thinking about it, holding off, thinking maybe, maybe I'll go, maybe I won't go, head to londonbluepodcast.com. We've got our landing page there with all the information about the trip. And uh, if you'd like to join us, we'd love to have you. All right. It is time for our match review of AFC Bournemouth Premier League match at the Vitality Stadium. It was this past Saturday, April 8th. And in case you missed it, Blues 3, Cherries 1. Dan, it's lineup time as always. We had the re-emergence of our long-lost wingback. Yeah, the the copy-paste um, you know lineup returned from uh, that you know wonderful uh, win streak we had earlier in the season. Uh, you know because we celebrate win streaks, not undefeated streaks. So we had a little Diego Costa and Hazard, Pedro up top, Alonso, Matic, Conte, Victor Moses. Thank the Lord Jesus came back. Gary Cahill, Louise, Aspilicueta, and Courtois between the sticks. And, uh, you know, we had a chance also to see a couple substitutions. Got to see William come in, Fabregas come in, and then also a little appearance from Zuma at the end, too. So, uh, you know, nice to see uh, some friendly faces there uh, kind of popping up off the bench, but uh, not until way, way, way late in the match. Well, Tottenham beat Watford 4-0 earlier in the day to put pressure on Chelsea, so this is always going to be a big match, especially could Chelsea continue the win streak after the Crystal Palace bump. Goals kicking it off in the 17th minute. Victor Moses did not take long to get going again after a short absence when he found Costa in the middle of the box, who cleanly turned and shanked his shot right off Smith's head before it <laughs> rolled into the net. Uh, it seemed like slow motion, Nick. You know, I was at Brits with the Twin City Blues as usual, and we didn't even realize it went in. So our goal celebration was extremely delayed. Yeah, this was a, a, a turn of good luck uh, for once after the, the Palace match where we had a billion opportunities that we didn't capitalize on. This was a complete shank and uh, somehow ended up in the back of the net. Uh, pretty unfortunate for Bournemouth to start that way. But, uh, you know, at least Costa shot in somewhat the direction of the goal-ish so that it could deflect nicely off of the head and, and in. So 
Um, this was officially classified as an own goal, correct? Yes, it, it was indeed. And uh, what was really great is Adam James Smith it, you know, was owned as a player by Tottenham Hotspur from 2008 to 2014. <laughs> However, only made wow. one appearance for the club. I uh, actually went on uh, several loans before heading to Bournemouth back in 2014. Well, there you go. So that that all worked out. I mean, it was it was kind of comical. The, I think the delayed reaction was was there from the TV as well. I mean, we like I didn't really know. Like as I'm doing Twitter, if if something went in, and there's always someone who's ahead of me on on the timeline that says goal Costa, and I was like, oh, it actually went in because he didn't even celebrate it at all. So, um, yeah, just kind of a, a bit of luck. 20th minute, Bournemouth paid the price for playing a high back line when Chelsea won the ball in midfield by Conte twice, uh, who played an absolute gem of a long pass to hit Eden Hazard right in stride as he broke to goal by himself. He gave uh, Boruch the fake shot, rounded him, and slotted home his 14th goal of the season, Dan. Absolute boss mode from Hazard, who finished it with so much class. Yeah, filthy, filthy, filthy goal. And just a, a joy to watch on repeat. Um, you know, Conte adding assist to his game. That's quite wonderful on top of uh, two goals this season, looking for his third heading into the next match week. Um, you know, yeah, it's it was just great. And it's great to see that he's, you know, leveled his tally for his private, you know, previous Premier League seasons of uh, 14. So it's quite possible that he could set uh, a new record for himself. And, you know, at the pace he's going right now, actually potentially could uh, exceed the goal scoring total of Diego Costa this season. Uh, you know, hopefully that's not the case. Hopefully Costa ends up scoring a few more. But, uh, you know, really, really the fake the fake shot was wonderful in the way he sold that so uh, I, I could watch that you know he's killing john stones one week he's you know killing bournemouth <laughs> keepers the next week um there's there's not gonna be there's gonna be a lot of uh widowed individuals um if they are spouses of on premier league teams that uh, Eden hazard is going up against clayton what did you make of this goal it was it was beautiful it was absolutely beautiful. Um, the speed of our counter-attacks. We've scored some amazing counter-attack goals this season. But the finish was just sensational. I mean, one, once he's got a couple of yards on the defender, there, there isn't really any doubt what's going to happen. Um, but the way he faked uh, and put Boric on his backside was just beautiful. And it was, it was just so quickly after the first goal. And... It, we naively, uh, even though we shouldn't be, naively thought, well, that's great. You know, we can breathe. We can just make sure we don't let a goal in before half time. Which brings us to the 42nd <laughs> minute where, as you mentioned, Chelsea decided to hit cruise control as they tried to close out the last 10 or so minutes of the first half and were cow caught out on the counter Josh King who's in great form of lately ran at both David Luiz Gary Cahill neither of them stepped until it was too late and his shot deflected perfectly off Luiz's knee into the near post top corner Clayton it was so annoying to see such a soft goal go in right before halftime uh, it was I mean you, you, you said it cruise control we were, we were doing that thing that we do where the three centre-backs all pass it to each other. We were in control. There was no nothing going wrong. And then we got a bad break because one, it was a handball um, where Marcus Alonso, and, and the, there's, there's a screenshot where you can see the, the linesman or the official uh, assistant referee, 
who couldn't possibly not have seen it. Um, maybe it was accidental. So that was the first thing. And obviously there was a deflection. The only thing I would say, um, and he's been an absolute revelation, as we all know, since he's came back, but David Luiz turned his back on the ball, um, which is not clever. Um, I, I think, you know, if you looked at the game at that point, Courtois made the blinding save in the first minute from David Luiz. And, They'd hit the post as well. So I suppose you could say we, we maybe we were lucky that we hadn't conceded a goal up to that point. But no, it was because we were so much in control. It was very frustrating. Dan, where kind of were you on that spectrum of annoyance to just like un, like disbelief? Uh, I mean, King has, has scored a couple of really nice goals over uh, the past couple of games here. And, you know, he definitely, you know, is an outside the box shot. And you kind of start to look back at some of these goals that we've conceded. You know, we haven't kept a clean sheet in uh, several games, um, but the, you know, they're, they're avoidable ones. And uh, I think the frustration comes from more you know, the, the discipline of it rather than the fact that we, you know, th- this was one that could have been avoided, you know, the, I actually think the the shot that went off the the bar was probably the shot that should have gone in for them. Um, but you know, I think Clayton's right. You know, you definitely could have seen them. You know, having three clear opportunities and uh, for them to get one is probably fair given the the quality of some of those uh, chances that they did have. All right. Well, 68th minute, Costa took a heavy challenge at the top of the box in line with the right post, which turned out to be the perfect spot for Alonso. He literally painted a picture-perfect free kick up over the wall and back down into the side netting. Nick, it was such a piece of class from the Spaniard. Yeah, this was one of my favorite goals of the year. Um, you know, when I look back, I, you know, I think of everything that happened against Everton and that, that five nil beat down. And then, you know, this is an emerging weapon from a set piece and something I think that, you know, we really haven't had this for a while on, on the right side, someone who has a really, really solid left foot. Who's able to kind of curl that around. I mean, Borch didn't even move. Uh, that's how good it was. He, he just had to kind of sit there. He wasn't going to get it anyway, even if he did move. So, uh, just a tremendous, tremendous piece of uh, of, of skill from Alonzo, who I think had a, a really good game overall. I think played really tough and uh, got his reward. Clayton, I mean, Alonzo has actually hit the post and crossbar already this season. He talked about in his post-match interview as well. He was so happy this finally went in. But like Nick is saying, I mean, this is just another weapon that hopefully Chelsea can add as we go forward, uh, because like when we had Crystal Palace, nothing would go in. This is the kind of weapon or opportunity that we can take uh, that really will kind of give us the upper hand when, you know, literally nothing else will go in. It, it was beautiful. It was it was a lovely, lovely um, goal. As you said, he's hit the bar. He's hit the post. Um, he scored a couple of great goals at Leicester, obviously. But um, no, it was good. And it's great to have that weapon. Um, David Luiz, after scoring that fantastic goal against Liverpool, um, most of his free kicks have been fairly harmless. Um, obviously, the other... 
little maestro on free kicks, William is not getting very much game time. Um, so we're not seeing that. So we are a little bit limited on, on, on dead ball um, stuff. But yeah, that was great to see. And I was really pleased for him because he had a great game and it was a, a great way to finish off his his contribution. Uh, and it certainly took a lot of pressure off after he scored that goal. All right. Well, first question of the pod. We've seen Chelsea struggle to keep a clean sheet in 2017 as our last one was Hull back in late January. Antonio Conte was asked in his post-match press conference if he was worried by this. And he said no, as long as Chelsea got the three points. But Dan, are you worried? Um, maybe worried for our collective heart conditions when we uh, we capitulate and allow a goal in occasionally and <laughs> it uh, creates some you know tight moments as fans when you're watching the game but I, I think it's it's been a long season I think it's hard when there's you know even limited rotation uh, you're playing a lot of games in kind of close proximity to be able to you know have that mental resilience and physical resilience to you know defend the way you did before you know, uh, before a crazy Aguero tackle, before, you know, a run of, you know, five or six games within, you know, a 20 day window. Um, so there's a lot of things I think that go into it. And I think it's ultimately something that will be, you know, addressed on the training ground and worked on. But I think it's something that, you know, as you think about projecting into next season and, you know, the type of acquisitions that we look at and the loanies that we think about bringing back, uh, I think defense will be, you know, just an area from a rotational standpoint that will need to be reviewed when you think about, you know, Premier League, Champions League, um, you know, uh, FA Cup and all the additional kind of matches that we'll have to maintain throughout the season to really solidify, uh, you know, if we do continue with the back three, uh, what that's going to have to look like. At Bearded Bard underscore said, another great result, but how annoyed do you think Conte will be with the fact that we haven't had a Premier League clean sheet in 2017? Nick, Chelsea have conceded in nine consecutive Premier League games in a single season for the first time since 11-12. Definitely not the kind of record or statistic we want to be rolling in as we try to close out a championship, or I guess a, a Premier League championship. Yeah, this is um, something that I've, I've become increasingly annoyed by because I think the we're, we're rarely getting scored against, you know, brilliantly. You know, it's always a, one mistake here, one mistake there, deflected shot silly mistake you know inability to communicate it's stuff that i know that they practice on the training ground they have to you know david louise has done this thing lately in the last three games where he's come out to try and disrupt play in the midfield with completely and then cahill and aspilicueta are kind of left to you know scramble to to pick something up so it's uh it's become annoying and i don't know why louise is doing that he was he was so good earlier in the year when he was just staying in his role um but, you know, I, I think still, you know, 11-12 was a great <clears throat> great season for Chelsea. And I think this will uh, will probably be a great season as well. So we, we might just have this record and, and be okay with it, with it if we win the title. At Willie Turt, those are T's, uh, says, Am I overreacting when I say I'm truly worried about our inability to keep clean sheets any answers uh clayton i'm just gonna see what answers you have or what your thoughts are about our defensive kind of lapses recently uh well, i think nick 
made a good point. We're not letting in good goals. We're letting in bad goals. I'm not saying that any goal that you let in is a good one, but there, there's very few times of, of the goals that we've um, conceded where you can actually turn around and say, couldn't have done much about that. I think Zaha's was a very good goal. Um, but generally, I think, I, you know, so the nine games that we played in the league, we've won six of them. So you have to say, yes, it is a concern, but it's you, you're then looking at perfection, because if you win those those six goals conceding uh, six games conceding a goal in those games, and you win those games, what does it matter? I mean, if we lose the league by goal <laughs> goal difference, then obviously it does. Um, so I think it has to be put in context. I think the other thing is that. Um, Apart from Tottenham, I don't think there's very many decent defences out there. Um, we are sort of ignoring the fact, OK, that there was a couple of championship teams in there. But in the FA Cup, we've kept three clean sheets on the bounce within that run. So it's not all doom and gloom. And yeah, I mean, it would be great not to let the goals in, but I'd rather win the game than be really concerned. I mean... Yeah, the squad does need strengthening, but I don't think that any anything in particular can be pointed to. I do think it's sometimes a bit of lack of concentration, maybe complacency. Um, you know, the, the game against Palace was a nightmare, but we haven't let goals in like that for ages. It was just a one-off. So I'm, I'm pretty relaxed, I have to say. I mean, yes, uh, the heart condition was mentioned by Dan and yesterday um, for the sort of 25 minutes between them scoring their goal and and us getting the third goal, it wasn't particularly pleasant. But at the end of the day, we won the game. So that's all that matters. That is the big part of it, is it hasn't come back to haunt us, thankfully. Obviously, Conte has said in the last few matches this week that Chelsea have suffered. That's the word he uses when essentially Chelsea are struggling in a match. But thankfully, we're persevering. We have a much stronger character uh, and like resiliency in this team uh, this season than obviously last season when the second you know we got fouled, we just quit and assumed the world was against us. So I think that that is a huge piece that's playing into it. Clayton nailed it at the end of the day. As long as we're still getting three points and controlling the games for the most part, like I think we're in a good position. But let us know what you guys think as always. Uh, let us know on social media. Question two, though, a little bit of a transition back to the wingbacks. Moses was a welcomed addition back to the starting lineup after missing, after we missed him in the last two matches, and we all saw the beautiful free kick that Alonso had. These two guys are absolute specialists for Chelsea. We have the average position and passing uh, heat map of these two guys. Moses and Alonso are essentially playing as outside mids. I mean, they are well above N'Golo Kante and Manja Matic, pretty much in line with Pedro and Costa. So what I am curious, Nick, is with Chelsea playing this brand new system, would we be anywhere near the top without these two guys? The answer is no. I mean, they are so different. I mean, especially for the Premier League your traditional right and left back have to deal with so much with kind of the, when you look at this map that we have up, uh, it's really kind of a front five, you know, there's just so much interchange and Moses had 
in the first half, I mean, acres of space just to run in and, and try and make something happen. I thought he was tremendous coming back. I mean, he had that silly yellow card in the first, whatever, five minutes, but uh, he was tremendous. Marcus Alonso was tremendous. I mean, they're just a handful when they're healthy and when our front three are kind of interchanging like we know they can. I mean, it's it's a dynamic situation. So, you know, there, there are, you know, detractors out there who would say that we play with the back five and, you know, we only have, you know, one real difference maker in Hazard. I mean, I would I would show you this match and, and ask you to look at that situation again, if that's your opinion. So, Clayton, just to kind of give you a summation of Alonzo Moses' contributions this season, Alonzo has five goals to assist, 2,200 minutes played, and he is our third highest like average performance rating this season. Moses has three goals, two assists, over 2,000 minutes played as well, and he is fourth for our highest average rating on the team. Like, Obviously, you've seen a lot of different Chelsea teams over the year. This is probably a pretty different style and setup. What have you made of these two guys? Um, I, I've been, I think, astonished, to be perfectly honest, when the season started and obviously they weren't in the original lineup in that format. Um, when we changed it round, I, I mean... For Conte to have actually spotted the potential of Moses and to give him the discipline that he has shown, because at the beginning perhaps he wasn't as defensively solid as he has become, and he has been brilliant. He's been absolutely brilliant. They both have. I know that people have their, you know, have criticisms of them, but you just look at them and you just think the energy and vitality has just been superb. Um, yeah, we go from a back three to a back five pretty quickly. So we're hard to break down and we've got them, the magnificent Kante in front of them. But these guys have been fantastic. I cannot believe how much we missed Moses in the last two games. I've been truly shocked. I mean, I think it's a, it's a different topic, but our, our lack of depth in, in those areas is, is sort of quite frightening. And hopefully that will be addressed in the summer. But, but Moses, I mean, Somebody tweeted me a couple of weeks ago and they said, I've just read your book. And apparently in my book, which I haven't read for quite some time, um, <laughs> I said, I, I said, you're never going to win anything with Victor Moses in the side. And obviously, um, which proves what a prophetic statement that was not. Um, so it, it is amazing. I, I, I think it's a, it's a tremendous system. Um, and to have those two guys play at the top of their game, which I, I'm assuming they are at the top of their game. Um, that's, that's down to, to their talent and the, and the talent of our manager. What about the fans who don't rate Alonso and think Aspie would be better suited at right wing back, Dan? Well, it's a, I guess it's a different situation because you know you have Alonzo would be the the left you know wing back option, and Moses is really you know you really then are having a conversation more about um, you know Moses or something like Aspilicueta getting an opportunity to uh, to deputize in it. But you know I think you know you look at what you know Moses kind of offers going forward. Um, you know had one one attempt you know, one pretty good attempt on target with linking up with Hazard this match where Hazard crosses in and. You know, if he gets a little bit of a better, maybe kind of leap at the ball, half step there, potentially could have converted that for a goal, had one kind of own shot that he you know, had the opportunity to make. 
I think with, you know, Alonzo, here's, here's a great kind of piece for you. Alonzo, five goals for the season. Paul Pogba, four goals for the season. Um, you know, that's a stat that you probably would not have ever dreamed of happening um, when the season started. And I, I think, you know, in addition to what he's given us defensively, you know, kind of covering ground, coming back, I think it's easy to, you know, write off their performances occasionally, but they're they're doing the most, you know, dual role on the entire pitch and having to be a member of the attack and a member of the defense every time the ball changes. Uh, they don't have a, uh, you know, a step to give up. If we're going to, you know, either lock down, you know, our defense or if we're going to, you know, transition to attack, they need to be moving ahead of both of those things. And so, uh, you know, I think Nick and Clayton both made the points that ultimately, you know, where where would we be without this, you know, this tandem working together? Uh, probably not not, uh, not anywhere where we are right now, which is, uh, you know, at the top looking down. At Ever Playful Wind had this to say on Twitter, Marcus Alonso's first season for Chelsea has been exceptional. His work rate week in and week out is the driving force for our success. Fans show greater appreciation of him. Wingbacks were immense. Obviously, I think there's been some interesting hot cold on on Alonso, I think more than Moses. I think I think Chelsea fans have a soft spot in their heart for Moses because, you know, he came from Wigan, got a little bit of time, then went away for a couple of seasons, didn't do much at Liverpool or Stoke, and now he's came back and just been this this new reborn version of the the really exciting attacking uh player that we saw back at Wigan. And so I think Chelsea fans are a lot more patient with him, whereas Alonso, he was bought from Fiorentina. Was it Sunderland before that? No one really rated him. Felt like he was a panic buy at the end of the window because we didn't get someone else. And, you know, it's just been kind of interesting to see. You know, people are quick to jump on his back. But I think that overall, is if we look at kind of the entire body of work uh, from Alonso, I think it's been more positive than negative this season and it's only getting better as the season goes um you know nathan ake was recalled he hasn't seen any real question though the real question though brandon is uh why have you been hiding the fact that you're his doppelganger (laughs) so true so true i got that we got a message on instagram that apparently people think i look like alonzo which if you tell me i'm a six foot two athletic spanish guy i'm not gonna tell you no yeah how (laughs) how terrible for you brandon it's the it's the burden i carry guys (laughs) All right. Question three. I want to talk about the effect Antonio Conte has had on this team, the same team that were just drabbing in 10th place last season. As Chelsea continue to march their way to a Premier League title, knock on wood, here are some of the accomplishments Chelsea have had so far this season. Starting off, we have a 13-match winning streak, tying the longest win streak in the Premier League. We've won 33 points of their 15 away games so far that we've only beaten that in 03-04 and 04-05 when we just didn't give up any goals. So our waveform has been fantastic. We've been in first place since match week 11. So that's 21 of the 31 weeks played so far. We have the most wins in the Premier League, second most total goals. We have three behind Liverpool. And as Clayton alluded to earlier, the second most clean sheets, only one behind Spurs. Uh, Oh, also zero red cards. While last season we had five. So Clayton, what has been the biggest Conte effect for you? Uh, Stability. 
without a shadow of a doubt. I mean, just taking away the the genius of the man and the motivation that he's given those guys, it's stability. Um, Now, I don't know how much feedback you get in terms of press coverage over in the UK, but for years, we've basically been arch enemy number one or number two, and it's emanated from the style of one of our managers. Um, and this year, we're, we're getting so much positive press. We're getting so many positive comments, and people are saying nice things about us. I'm not aware during the, the course of the season that Conte has made one derogatory remark about a referee or about another manager, and he just gets on with it. And it, there's no distraction. I mean... I, you know, I don't know, I don't know what to say, but I just want, you know, just this guy to be given as as long a run as possible, even if things get sticky, because this guy's class, absolute class. I mean, we, you know, you don't hear about rumblings. That the the one thing we've had this year was uh, Costa. He just dealt with it. End of. You know, I'm not talking about it. It's done. You can speculate all you like. I've told him what I think. He sat him. He sat him as well. Yeah. Uh, So for me, that that's it. It's stability. The players are happy. The fans are happy, uh, and hopefully, our wonderful owner is happy as well. Yeah, I would. I would quickly add to this, Brandon. I think that the NBC coverage over here yesterday made a really good point. I think it was Robbie Musto, but he said that in in the span of whatever that's been eight months or nine months that we've, we've had him as manager now that he somehow managed to, at the same time, calm Diego Costa down, amp up Eden Hazard made Pedro significant, you know, reinstilled Nemanja Matic into the team, brought up Cesc Fabregas from the bench, you know, really kind of in an, you know, if another manager like Clayton had referenced had done this, it would have been an embarrassing kind of scenario, but it wasn't like he's done all of this while somehow inventing Marcus Alonso and Victor Moses and taking a guy who we all thought was a defensive liability in David Luiz and making him the star of our defense. And like, if you think of those 10 things individually, that would be an accomplishment but to do them all together and to figure out a system that maximizes the potential of the current squad, which I think we all all think will be uh, improved in the offseason. I think it's just tremendous. I mean, if, if he was in the strengths finder test, he w- I think he's a maximizer. Like he, I really do. I Go ahead, Dan. Yeah, I think the the thing is there, Nick, is that you know he's he's less of a tailor, is what we dubbed him initially, more of an alchemist in the way that he's been able to you know find these things and these glimmers within the concoctions and the equations and put together a title winning squad from you know players that you know frankly some people were happy to write off and wish that they had been shipped off, and I think players that you know we felt that were still you know value, and then some that we you know all kind of questioned, you know, a la Pedro. Of whether he would be able to to cut it, and I think that the amount of credit you know, he deserves you know is exceptional, and you know, I think you know ultimately the the manager of the season um, you know in the Premier League and you know potentially across you know all of the the major leagues for what he's been able to do uh, heading into the side fresh off the Euros, short preseason, uh, it's just it, it's really incredible and exceptional. 
you know, Conte came in and had some big decisions to make right off the bat. Uh, you had a couple of players that wanted to leave. Obviously, Diego Costa has publicly said that. You're coming off players, you know, not motivated, not happy, coming off 10th place. Uh, and then he has Courtois with the goalkeeper coach debacle. Does he keep Lolashan? Does he bring in someone else? There were a lot of big things that he had to decide right away. And he it looks like he got them all right. And I think that for this guy, you know, like Clayton said, to just bring like solidarity, consistency to this club, it's been so impressive because he's literally had to do it from day one. Uh, his squad balance has been fantastic. Obviously, he's made the least amount of changes in his team, but he's continued to make three substitutions every single game. It may only be a minute here and there for Mishi, but he's gotten Ruben on. He's gotten Shalaba some time. Like he's doing the right things. Zuma reintegrated. Obviously, the Fabregas guys. I think that the Conte effect is just all encompassing and like unbelievable because like it was not an exciting time as a Chelsea fan heading into the summer. Um, so let us know what you guys think. Email us, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, what you think the biggest impact has been from Antonio Conte. All right. True or false. As we wrap up this match review, Victor Moses is Chelsea's most improved player from last season. Dan, true or false? Ooh, um, technically wasn't on the team last season. Um, but how was he playing um, last season compared to this? We'll, we'll go and use the Stoke. Yeah, I, I would probably actually say false. And I would say that, you know, Obviously, Eden Hazard had a very off year last season, and I think with a couple of the things, you know, even you know the second striker kind of mentality, the positioning of where he's been on the pitch, I would say Eden Hazard is probably actually the, you know, crazy enough is the most improved player, and I think we're getting to see some stuff out of his game, which is just crazy special. And I think when you think about you know some of the rumors of players that we've talked about, you know buying the season, you know, in the season, like a, a Sanchez. And you think about that link up up front. Um, it's, you know, it's the stuff of dreams. It's really incredible. Nick, what about you? True or false to Vic being the most improved player? Um, I think he is, he might be our most important player. Uh, and that's saying something, but I'm going to also go with false. Uh, I think Pedro is by far and away our most improved player from last year, and and it's not even close. I mean, if you think about some of the things that even we said on this podcast about his performances last year, I mean, I don't think any of us were major fans um, of that buy as it as it got closer to the end of the year. So his form has been tremendous this year. You know, he puts in a shift. He's all energy. He's all movement, and he scored some super super goals for us this year. So I'm gonna go Pedro. Clayton, what about you? Um, false. Uh, for me, I mean, it could have been Hazard. I could have been Pedro, but for me, it's Courtois. Different goalkeeper. Ooh. Ooh. Different goalkeeper. He had a, a lousy defense in front of him. He had a, an argument with the goalkeeping coach. He was not a happy bunny. Uh, and he wasn't he was he wasn't in a good place last year and now I just think he's he's back to his best. Uh I mentioned it earlier, but the save he made from Louise yesterday was I was phenomenal. Because you have to think that game was thirty seconds old, sixty uh-huh. seconds old. 
And for a goalkeeper, I mean, we talk about keepers who do nothing the whole game and make a brilliant save at the end. Same same way around. I mean, to 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 make that save was brilliant and was potentially a match-winning save uh, before the game had even started. So I'm going to go with Courtois. Well, I'm going to say true just to go against everyone here. Uh, classic <laughs> move by me. That's, uh, just, that's I, a good method there, Brandon. Yeah, no, I hear you. But just, just hear me out on this. So Pedro was at least playing for Chelsea, albeit not very well. Hazard was having a very low point for him, but is coming off a player of the season. Uh, Courtois, he's always a potential guy um, that we've saw and hadn't. I'd say, you know, if I wasn't making this argument, Clayton, I would agree with you 100%. Uh, But you could say Victor went from not even playing at all in the Stoke lineup, having some injuries, to playing all but two matches this season. So the fact that he went from a non-starter at a Stoke team to a day-in-and-out starter for Chelsea, to me, that's a much, much bigger jump than the rest of these guys who were in the team and playing. They just got better from where they're at. So again, I'm just making the argument for argument's sake right now. Um, Slight correction, though. He played at West Ham last year, not Stoke. Fair enough. He didn't play Stoke while he was there. Did some damage at West Ham. Again, had some injuries. It was up and down. And now he's just rock solid. Um, It's interesting. Squawka put out this list. So I kind of want to bring it up and get your guys' thoughts on that. But let us know again what you guys think. Most improved player from last season. All right. Any other additional thoughts that we should throw out there that we haven't touched before we wrap this up with the man of the match poll and the table as it stands, Nick? Uh, yes, I'm sure we're going to get into Diego in our in our social media questions, but he was woeful yesterday. Just terrible. Um, couldn't couldn't figure it out to save his life. And I think we've now. You know, we'll we'll get everyone else's opinions on this uh, in a second, but we're we're entering into a a dangerous territory with him because, you know, I, I could I can forgive a lot with him, especially with the the form he's been on this year for the most part. But yesterday was, I mean, Clayton, give me give me the analogy again that you that you gave before we we got on the show. I can't, I can't remember what was it. If, if you were a trialist, if he was a trialist, yeah. I mean, Glenn Hoddle on the English coverage basically said that um, if he would have been in a trialist in a in a game, he would have been hauled off, and it would have been don't call us. Um, he he was he was poor yesterday. Um, I mean, we can talk about this now. We're going to talk about it a bit further on because I've got a couple, a couple of things. We will definitely be digging into the Diego thing. Um, so All right. Well, I'll, I'll keep my powder dry. Yeah. Exactly. Dan, anything yeah. else from you? Uh, I will say, uh, you know, it's going to be a really fond farewell to those Adidas kits because that white yesterday and the sun <sighs> oh, looked yeah. super, super sharp. Those were uh, those were probably the best that they've looked. So uh really hope the uh, the Nike editions, whatever white uh, that ones come out, uh, look as sharp. I would also say the sun was a major factor in this game because uh, Gary Cahill, for one, was completely shielding his eyes for most of the second half. It was it was brutal. Just going back to the kit thing, um, Manchester City's third kit that they wore against us on Wednesday Ooh. night. I, I, I 
got a horrible feeling that our third kit is not going to look too dissimilar to that. I mean, that if you've seen Inter Milan's third kit, that the, the, this is Nike. I mean, uh, this, this is this is not good. Like just <laughs> a, yeah, um, I think the 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 one rumor is that it's like a, the global kind of like third kit print that they'll have is, is some type of camo ish one, and the one that they've kind of leaked so far for us is kind of like a gray and dark black uh kind of scenario so we will uh we'll have to see it's gonna be uh it's gonna be an interesting transition but uh i think we'll all be pretty okay with the additional funds that it's gonna bring in to hopefully <laughs> fund some uh some great transfers all right well man of the match poll this time and not my problem this week as <laughs> nick went back on the reins on twitter uh feeding you all the one-liners you guys needed so nick uh who did we have and who did we miss uh, I missed I missed N'Golo Conte. That's who I missed this time. I put uh, Moses, Alonzo, Hazard, and uh, and Cesar Espilicueta as my four, but I think I should have put N'Golo Conte in there because he was, again, just tremendous. But as this is the uh, weekly N'Golo Conte man of the match poll, um, you know, I can be for slightly forgiven as he's won, I think, most of our man of the match polls. Uh, it was actually pretty close this week. I mean, I think there were just a lot of good performances uh, which is a good good problem to have when doing the man of the match poll. So uh, Moses came in at 19%. I thought he was tremendous. Uh, Alonzo at 33%. Eden Hazard, 44%. And and Dave lagging behind at a, a strong 4%. So I missed N'Golo Conte. There were also some shouts for Pedro. You know, I, there are always going to be, anytime you win 3-1, there'll, there'll be a lot of candidates. But I think Hazard was the uh, the right choice. Chelsea FC has taken on what we've been doing, and they put out a poll, Nick, and they had Victor Moses, Marco Alonso, Cesar Aspilicueta, and Eden Hazard, obviously Hazard, taking their poll. Well, I mean, it's nice of them to copy us, but... Um, Literally. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, we'll, we'll have to go and just talk to them when we're over there about, you know, what we... what we need to do to make that the official London is Blue podcast, Man of the Match Bowl. <laughs> That would be brilliant. So as the table stands, and this is with Arsenal not having played yet, uh, but even a win for them won't really change anything between them and United. Chelsea in first on 75 points. Tottenham in second. Liverpool third with a game in hand. Man City fourth. United fifth. Arsenal sixth. Um... You know, we'll get into the games that still need to be played in a second. Obviously, 15 points is the magic number at Steven Ricci saying if Spurs drop a game and we run the table, that Middlesbrough game is looking oh so exciting. He hopes that we see them clinch. Dan alluded to it earlier. Um, but as it stands, guys, we've got a few games left. Obviously, Watford needs to be rescheduled for us. Leicester away is uh, what Spurs have to have rescheduled but other than that Chelsea are obviously going to play Man United then Southampton at home Everton away Middlesbrough home West Brom away Sunderland home the two big matches that stand out for me at this point Dan are Spurs hosting Arsenal April 30th and then turning around two weeks later and playing United at home the second to last match of the season do you see Spurs dropping points any other time outside of those two matches 
Um, you know, uh, away to Hull. Hull has been actually pretty decent at home, uh, you know, after the, you know, managerial shuffle that they went through. Uh, West Ham uh, has found a little bit of form recently. Uh, Crystal Palace under Big Sam. You know, we, we've, we've had firsthand an opportunity to realize how uh, dangerous now they are, um, re- you know, respectfully. Um, so I, I think there's plenty of opportunity for them to to drop points kind of within this range. Uh, you know, just like, you know, we kind of had a, a, a weird game against Crystal Palace. Uh, I don't think it's out of the equation for them to have a, a weird game between now and then. Clayton, you've seen a lot of seasons come to a close. A lot of times it's the teams at the bottom of the table who are most dangerous but Chelsea really don't have to worry about that because Sunderland is the last match of the season and I'm sure they will already have been relegated by that point so I guess kind of looking at these two schedules any uh, maybe like dangerous games that we should watch out for um I think that a lot of our games are dangerous in so much as we're playing teams that have got nothing to play for um I mean, Manchester United will have, we'll talk about that um, in a minute. Southampton, they've had a good season. They, they will come to the bridge. They won't have much on their minds. Everton, again, um, they're in sort of good form at the moment because they're not going anywhere. Uh, but then you look at our last three games, Borough are going to be down by the time we play them. Sunderland will be down by the time we play them. Uh, and West Brom have left for the beach uh, about two months ago. Um, so, <laughs> You know, the, I think the next our next three games, uh, I think we should beat Southampton, but Man United and Everton are where both going to be tough. I think the one thing that, that needs to be touched on is the fact that you look at Spurs and you look at what's happened with them and you think, well, I can't actually see the way they're playing, that they're going to be dropping any points. But they've not been under any pressure. They've not been under any pressure at all. Um The minute they get within a sniff of where we are, then that's when the games will become more difficult for them. It's when it actually means something. Now, okay, it's all right to be 10 points behind us or seven points behind us and be on our coattails. But if they're like, they have to win to go one point behind us or have to win to go above us, that's when it's going to tell. Because those guys have not got that experience. And I think that's where... We've got the edge. Obviously, we've got seven points. But we've got the edge because we've got a team full of guys who've done it before and only did it two years ago. So that's, I think, you know, when you're looking at those two fixtures, that has to be taken into account. Really good insight. Uh, I think that's more more impressive than we would have. So thank you, Clayton, for that. Uh, let's go ahead and call this a wrap on the match review. We'll take a real quick break uh, from World Soccer Shop, and then we'll be back with your questions on social media. Here we go. Just a quick shout out to World Soccer Shop. Go follow them. Follow them on social media. Dan, we we need some additional followers to uh, to go see all the cool content that they're putting out. Yeah, you know, obviously we're getting close to the time that new kits are going to be announced and, you know, when you're going to want to pick one of those up, they're going to be posting uh, tons of videos, uh, reveal information that you're going to want to see first. And it's a great place because, you know, who gets their hands on the kits first? Uh, Not the people overseas in the manufacturing shops, but it's the people who are actually going to get a chance to put them in your hands. So uh, head to follow them, you know, at World Soccer Shop on uh, Instagram and Twitter. All right. Well, thank you for that. We have a lot 
of questions to jump into. As always, <laughs> you guys are so good at this. Uh, a long time in the waiting for SP Beal to get back at us with a question. Uh, we pushed him to submit one, and he did. He says, we didn't see Moses being crucial one year ago. Who will be the player to raise their game in 2017-18 season next year and become the next breakout star? Dan, you are always the one who can predict the future between all of us. What is it? Ah, <laughs> uh, gosh. Oof. Uh, who's going to make the jump? So we're saying it has to then be someone who currently is not probably in the starting 11. Sure. Uh, Maybe out on loan. Yeah, I mean, I, I do think Christensen has a real shot to come back and, and be an absolute superb player. Um, I was catching some of the, the highlights from the match that he played this weekend. That was he was looking very, very composed. Um, I mean, I, I would I would really actually hope hope that it could be Ruben. Um, you know, watching the last couple appearances and opportunities he's had, uh, I think it's some of the best looking football he's been able to kind of piece together and while it's only been in you know bits and pieces you know so the question of stamina is still left unanswered uh, you know I, I would love for it to be uh, you know one of those two at nando underscore prakriya says i have a few questions We'll take two of them. So one, Nick, when Conte came, it was said that the youth would be made a part of the first team uh, with the obviously the goal in the starting 11. Um, but we haven't seen that. And so he says, is it a mistake that we brought back Ake and essentially have stalled his development? Um, is it a mistake if we win the Premier League and we have backup for Alonso if he gets hurt? No. So, no. I mean, I, I know his point here. and In a perfect world, everybody would get playing time. Everyone would be smiling. We'd win 10-0 every week. But we didn't have cover, and we needed cover for both center back and our, our left wing back, and that's what Ake is providing. Um, I don't think Ake is sad to be back at Chelsea at all. I mean, I, of course, he'd love to be playing, but at the end of the day, uh, he, he is a tremendous uh, prospect. And, you know, when Antonio Conte deems it, the right time for him to play, he's going to play. And I think we just have to trust him inherently. Uh, Reed Shoup is going to be our first in a string of questions about Diego Costa. Clayton, coming to you with this one. What the hell is going on with Diego Costa? <laughs> Can we win the league and an FA Cup with him in his current form? And then we'll stop there. So what's going on? And most importantly, with Diego Costa's form, can we win the Premier League and FA Cup this season? Yeah, of course we can. Um, basically, he hasn't he hasn't scored for four games, uh, but so other people have stood up and, and they've scored. Um, he has got worse in the last two or three games. I'm trying to be very guarded. I think the thing is with Diego is that, and this was quite ironic. Well, at the final whistle against Manchester City, he was the first player to put both his arms in the air. And I thought, it obviously means something to him. I mean, yesterday, he just looked like he was on a different planet. I think the biggest problem with Diego and and after the, the wonderful things that we've said about Conte is that he doesn't, his place doesn't ever seem to be in jeopardy. He doesn't. It doesn't matter how bad he is. He never gets hauled off. And if there was ever a time to bring somebody on, yesterday, it had to be that. But then, 
you know, you look, he was involved in the first goal, comically. He was involved in the third goal because he was fouled, because he was there. He is doing something on the pitch, but he's not doing what he's actually paid to do, which is score goals. But he is occupying and you you have to wonder how much space is being created by what he does uh, to let Eden and Pedro do what they do. So I think it's it's a it's a really difficult thing. Um, That is a team that is a unit. Um, and Conte's not going to break it up. Can we win the league with him in there? Yeah, we can. We're still scoring goals. If we weren't scoring any goals, then I I think we'd have a problem. But other people are stepping up. Um, Diego has always been a streak scorer. Um, He's always a guy who basically is either in a rich vein of form or he is like he is at the moment. But to be honest with you... um, Yesterday was the worst I've ever seen him play. And I would imagine that most Chelsea fans would say that's the worst they've seen him play since he's been at the club. So um, hopefully something will go right for him. Um, And maybe it did yesterday with that, that fluky goal. So, yeah, we can. Dan, during Antonio Conte's post-match press conference, he said about Costa, quote, I'm happy with his performance in this moment. Diego is not scoring, but he's totally involved in the team. He helped provoke the first goal. I like how he said provoke. Uh, (laughs) And he must continue to be working this way with great desire and work rate. And I'm sure he can score in every game. End quote. Dan, you know, same thing. FA Cup, League Cup double this year. Yeah, you know, I think Clayton's right. You know, when Diego's kind of dipped off in terms of contribution, you know, you see, you know, Pedro has, has added goals, Alonso's added goals, Hazard's added goals, uh, Fabregas has added goals, uh, Victor Moses coming back. You know, he he will certainly have a goal or two in him to be able to revive. Uh, you know, playing against Manchester United, I'm sure Conte is going to score this week. Um, you know, there's a lot of things that uh, that are going right right now outside of Diego, and you know, and look when he is on the pitch, even, you know, when he's, you know, slicing a shot that happens to bounce off a head and ricochet him for a goal, um, you know, he, he occupies space. And I think the one thing that he is, his presence always does on the pitch, uh, even when he is a, a little off form or out of, you know, out of his kind of standard, you know, work rate is he is freeing up space for Eden Hazard to have the breakaway run. And you kind of look at the the positional map the past couple games, you know, Hazard is, is flexing forward above where Diego is, but Diego is very centrally located. And so he's taking that attention from, you know, one to two center backs away. And it's giving, you know, whether it's Hazard, whether it's Pedro, whether it's Sesk, someone is getting an opportunity to advance forward because of it. And so so uh, while I wish he was scoring goals, um, you know, I, I think it is possible to do a, a double on it. It would just be a touch, 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 touch easier if Diego Costa could sprinkle in a couple of goals here and there between the end of the season. I do realize I said League Cup, but I obviously met Premier League lifting that cup trophy. So uh, thank you guys all for your questions. Uh, Keep them coming. As always, we will continue to answer as many as we can each episode, but we need to take one last quick break before we do the deep dive into the Manchester United match coming up on Sunday. Here we go. Dan, do you know how you could save about a hundred bucks on select lifestyle shoes from Nike? I I feel like you're about to tell me. 
I am. Uh, and that is, that's what I do in, in this part of our show. Uh, go to worldsoccershop.com. They actually have a really awesome sale right now on some of like the really high end uh, turf and, and indoor shoes from Nike. Uh, they're like the Magista is on sale for like half of what it normally is. I think it's usually like 200 bucks and you can get it for a hundred really quality stuff. Go to worldsoccershop.com using our referral link and, uh, and figure it out and let us know. Boom. All right. Well, Manchester United time. That is the next match on the docket for Chelsea uh, heading to the library. I mean, Old Trafford in the <laughs> Premier League. It'll be this coming Sunday, April 6th. Last time we met Nick, what happened? Well, it was a, it was a feisty affair um, in, the, in the quarterfinals of the FA Cup. Um, lots of kicking, perhaps a sending off. Uh you know, per usual, N'Golo Conte scored a goal. Uh, you know, he only scores against United. But, uh, you know, this is uh, the third third iteration of this uh, matchup this year. And, and, you know, in American sports terms, Clayton, it is uh, incredibly hard to beat the same team three times. So this is a little bit of a nervy setup for us. Yeah, um, there's a certain gentleman uh, who's now applying his trade in Manchester who's not going to want to get his uh, his backside slapped three times, is he? Um, it's going to be a very, very tough game. Uh, but they've got their priority is um, the Europa League. And those two games straddle this game. So today, I don't know if you guys saw, but they rested quite a few players today, including De Gea. Um as possibility they might do it again. Um, I don't know. They're a very strange side. They're not actually very good. Um, So uh, I don't think that we're going to lose there, Um, but I think they're going to make it very tough for us. And again, we will have the same pressure that we had yesterday because Tottenham will undoubtedly beat Bournemouth. uh, And so the lead will be down to four points again. So it's going to be tough, going to be very tough. Um, The one thing I'm, absolutely hoping for is interestingly on the, when we played them in the FA Cup it appeared that Jose had got to Conte he'd got under his skin and uh, I just hope that that um, Conte just ignores all the rubbish which is about to come our way over the next seven days Dan you know four nothing last time in the league at home First minute goal from Pedro, about as perfect of a start as we can get. You know, not keeping the clean sheets we want. But like Clayton said, I mean, they're going to be going to Anderlecht in Brussels the Thursday before this match. And then they're going to have to turn around and keep one eye on that game the next way. Because at this point, this seems like that's the only way they're getting in to the Champions League. Yeah, it's it's really really starting to tighten up at the top. I mean, you're looking at you know, uh, you know, Spurs. You know, probably have at this point, you know, without an implosion, the the second spot locked down. Uh, so then you're really talking about the next two. So some combination of City, Liverpool, uh, United, uh, Arsenal. Uh, you know, Arsenal is really really separating themselves from fourth, and the biggest you know love story in modern football is over, which is quite sad <laughs> to me. Um, but it's, it's going to be, I think a very interesting affair. And you know, I think Clayton's spot on. I mean, the, the, the path to Europe for 
United is much more concrete by focusing on the Europa League right now and making it that way versus uh, trying to make a run for fourth because the the teams that are combating for it right now uh, all have some good fixture lists lined up that are very favorable. So, you know, I think that uh, I, I think it will be a tough game. Uh, I think we will not want to draw it, um, though that is the current specialty uh, being served up on the uh, the menu at uh, Old Trafford right now. Uh, but I, I think I think we'll come out with a win. I, I feel I feel generally optimistic about this match. It's good, you know. I think this is a good momentum builder. We had the ideal eleven that Conte wants against Bournemouth today, and the team looked good, minus you know the little brain fart we had in the first half but other than that you know Chelsea are looking in good form so I think it was important to have Victor Moses back and be back to playing the formation and the shape we wanted before going into this game same thing we're gonna have an extra day's rest than them and they have to travel Jose will be talking about that all week but as Chelsea fans we just and as you know thankfully Conte has the players keeping their head down and focused exactly on what needs to be done uh, and we'll go out there and do the business. I think that United's biggest threat are going to be aerial balls, as always, uh, with Slatan up there. I mean, hell, Fellaini was their captain today. Uh, but, you know, just putting <laughs> some of those guys up there, I think that that's going to be the biggest concern for us. So David Luiz and Gary Cahill, excuse me, are going to have to have uh, a big performance uh, as far as winning their aerial duels. You know, hopefully Courtois can come out and, uh, you know, take away some of those crosses that those guys can be putting in the box to, the, to them. But uh, that's kind of where I'm thinking at this match. But obviously, guys, a lot of positive things going for Chelsea right now. Man United, uh, more of a roller coaster, not where they want to be. A lot of comparisons to Mourinho having less points earned at this time than Van Hall. You know, him talking about how we only have one game a week. It's it's going to be a big week of preparation, but you know, obviously, as everyone right now has said, full trust in Antonio Conte getting the team ready. Uh, so really, I just want to, yeah, go ahead. Really quick, yep. I just want to add one final thing. I mean, if you think back to the FA Cup match, what I'm really worried about this game is United players trying to kick the hell out of Eden Hazard. I mean, I think the the form that he's on. If you look through the rest of our matches, uh, we asked if we could win the, the league and FA Cup double without Diego really performing, we, I don't think we can without Hazard. So, you know, I would hope that the refereeing in this game would be prepared for the kind of the cynical tactical fouling that happens when, you know, each one of United's backline takes a whack at, at Hazard because that happened already and that they, they kind of employ the same uh, approach um, that, that happened in the FA cup game. I, I am genuinely concerned that they are trying to hurt Hazard. Anything else, Clayton? I mean, we're going to Old Trafford. No. Yeah, no, I th- I think that's a good call uh, by Nick. But I, I've just, I don't know. It didn't work the last time, did it? Um, maybe they'll try something different. I think the aerial bombardment is uh, is a concern. We've looked um, susceptible at times, but we seem to overcome. I think, you know, we're a good team. Um, and I think when you support a team, you sometimes lose sight of the fact of how good you are compared to um, to other teams. It's uh, it was quite interesting because I was watching the Hazard goal yesterday from the 432nd time, and I just <laughs> I just thought, you know, when when we played 
and you play against a team that's got Ronaldo in it or Messi in it or one of these other great players, when we're, when we're playing teams, that's how the opposition fans think about Hazard because that guy is good. That guy is seriously, seriously good. So, you know, uh, hopefully they won't kick him, but he's, he's very bouncy. He's very bouncy as Eden. Um, but yeah, he wouldn't put it past Jose um, encouraging the dark arts. But there we go. Dan, last chance. No, I I think uh, I think we should all be pretty excited about this match. I think it's you know not uh, often you get the opportunity to beat a team uh, three times in the same season, and it would be nice to uh, to pull a little triple over on uh, Manchester United this season. So yeah, I, I think similar to the atmosphere and the attitude we had heading into City. You know, it's being cautiously optimistic, but uh, you know, I think we have the the caliber and the talent and the acumen and discipline to go in and uh, you know extract all three points. All right. Well, that's kind of how we feel heading to this match. Again, tweet, Facebook, Instagram, email us. Let us know how you're feeling. Uh, we'll do the Jay Hill prediction game as always next week before the game. But let's go ahead and wrap this phenomenal episode up with our final thoughts. Nick, I believe you have something to share. Yeah, as always, I like to shout out different uh groups and and fans uh, as much as I can. Last week, we shouted out Chris Axon uh, for his photos this week. I just want to shout out uh, Chelsea in America and all the all the great work they do. They recently went under uh, a change of leadership from from the great Beth Wild to to a new kind of more committee approach to handle all the workload that is Chelsea in America. It's a big organization. They do a lot of good stuff. Um, And especially for United States fans uh, of this beautiful club, uh, they are they're kind of the go to source. So I just want to give them a shout out specifically the Chicago, L.A., San Diego, Houston, Dallas, the Beltway Blues chapter and and Brandon's Twin City Blues chapter. Uh, lots of great things happening in each one of those locations and uh, may continue. Fantastic. Uh, Dan, what about you? Uh, first off, thanks to, to Clayton for joining us again. And uh, you know, we absolutely look forward to to seeing him in person when we head over and take in Millsboro. And uh, you know, thanks also to uh, you know, Chidge for uh, allowing you to come over on loan for, uh, for an emergency episode. <laughs> well, I, I'm, I'm very concerned, actually, because I think I might be on my way to suspension. Uh, because oh, boy. I didn't get Vi- Violating rules. Yeah, I didn't get his permission before accepting your very kind invitation. It's been great to be back, guys, and I'm really looking forward to seeing you uh, in a couple of weeks' time, I think it is, isn't it? It's only about three, four weeks to go. Fantastic. Getting close. It is. It is getting here closer and closer. Uh Time to time to pack my bag and start getting ready. But Chelsea fans, thank you so much for again sticking around past the hour mark. Hopefully you enjoyed all of it. Um, we covered a lot, but you know it's it's a lot that goes into this. So if we missed anything, let us know as always. But you know what? We've got a full week off next match being Easter Sunday. So hopefully you find time to tune in and watch it. But until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high. All right, Chelsea fans, that is a wrap for this week. Don't panic, though, as we'll be back after Chelsea's next match. So to be sure you don't miss it, subscribe on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at LondonBluePod. Until next time, Chelsea fans, keep the blue flag flying high.